Rather than tolerating sinful behavior, we're to take a stand for purity. That's next on Abounding Grace. This is amazing grace. Imagine if there was a guy in your church who was having sexual relations with his stepmother. On top of it all, the whole church knew what was going on but did nothing about it. Scandalous, I'm sure you'd agree. That's exactly what was going on in the church at Corinth. But before you start thinking we're above that, Pastor Ed Taylor will point out the same sort of tolerance of sin is going on today in many churches. Today on Abounding Grace, we'll open 1 Corinthians 5 and be encouraged to take a stand for purity. As we're learning in the book of Acts, Satan, our arch enemy, is always looking for a way to infiltrate the church. He's always looking for a way to silence the church. He's always looking for a, a weak spot in our lives, whether it's the church at large or it's just your, your home or your family or your life. Always looking for a way. In the, in the church, we've seen him try to destroy the church from the outside by outward persecution. And he brought, and still continues to this day, to bring an outward persecution against believers, to try to silence your voice. Certainly our brothers and sisters around the world facing death, even in this very moment, for loving Jesus Christ. And some of you are facing things, not necessarily death. We live in a society right now that's still allowing the public proclamation of the gospel, but some of you face losing your job for talking about Jesus. And some of you face ostr being ostracized or even your families turn your back. There, there's levels of persecution, but you've got to understand the, the, the enemy is trying to use it all just to silence you. It's almost like he says, or he thinks, you know, hey, it's okay if you go to church. It's okay if you're in Bible study. It's okay even if you open the word. It's, it's even okay if you read it, but just don't do it. Don't act on it. Don't live in such a way where your life reflects the character and the mercy and the love of God. And so from the outward persecution to intimidation comes. He tries to scare you into a corner. But it really doesn't work. I don't know if you've noticed that, but... Persecution to a true believer really just fires them up. It's, it's almost like you go, uh, you, you're not going to stop me. Like Jesus died for my life. He saved me of my sins. And, and you, the worst that you can do is take my life. The best that Jesus can do is give me eternal life. And you begin to weigh that in your life. Now, now, some of you might be like in a corner right now and you're all afraid and you're intimidated and you don't know what to do. I'll just tell you right now, what you need to do is to seek the Lord and obey him. We learned from Peter, right? He said, as he was cornered, he said, oh, you, you guys decide whether it's better for me to obey God or you. But I'm going to obey God, not man. Persecution doesn't really in the long run succeed. It only makes the church, well, persecution in the book of Acts, what we learned is it, it moved them on. 
that came upon. They were all kind of huddled up in Jerusalem, enjoying uh, the ministry, enjoying the Lord. But remember, Jesus said to go out into all the world. He said, be faithful in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. And so what God did with persecution, while the enemy wanted to destroy the church, what had happened, he just scattered the church. And they just went off into other areas and the gospel continued to go. But if persecution doesn't, doesn't intimidate you, then what the enemy will do is he'll join the church. He'll come right into our company right here through believers, through false teachers, through false religions, through false motives. He'll just come right in the midst of us. One of the problems about that is that it's not easy to see. Everybody has an appearance of Hey, I love Jesus, and it's very easy to pick up on all the vocabulary, and, and it's not easy to see. But even though Jesus said, beware of false teachers, they come to you in sheep's clothing. They're just ravenous wolves. And for the leadership, and even for us as believers, we need to be on the lookout and on guard. Not everyone has pure motives. And you know what happens when inward compromise starts to come within a church, then chaos and confusion start to happen. And it's just weirdness. And you might not even be able to put your finger on it, but it's just weirdness. It's just not, I don't know, I don't know, it's just something doesn't feel right. Something doesn't seem right. And through the chaos and confusion that happens in churches, through inward compromise, then what happens really is Jesus gets a bad reputation because of his believers and his followers. Because you and I really do represent him. And it's more than just an occasional mistake. It's more than just an occasional uh, you know, mess up. It's, it's a lifestyle we're dealing with here. And in the church in Corinth, there were people living in unconfessed, rebellious sin. It was not just the sin of sexual immorality, but it was also the sin of pride. And that's what we see here in chapter 5. The enemy had entered into this church through all sorts of sinful behaviors. Sexual immorality took root in this church. The influence of the Corinthian culture. There wasn't really a distinction. Truly what's happened in the church in Corinth was especially bad because as we'll see in a moment, Paul says, what's going on there? The Gentiles don't even do. Like, whoa. I don't even see that in the world. And here you are in the church. Well, pick up with me in verse 1 of chapter 5. Paul gets right down to the point where he says, it is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you and such sexual immorality as is not even named among the Gentiles that a man has his father's wife. I mean, Paul's saying, I can't believe what I'm hearing about you. I just can't believe it. Have you ever had a, heard a report about something or someone that you, you thought you knew and then you hear this report and it, your first response is like, I can't, even, I can't even believe I'm hearing this. It's so far beyond my, even in my wildest imaginations as things would go bad, that I wouldn't even thought of. I, I just, I can't believe it. He's shocked. So this is a church of believers. These are people that claim the name of Jesus Christ and there's reported, it's reported among you that not only is there sexual immorality, but man, the Gentiles don't even do this. We have an example here in verse 1 of incest, the sexual sin of incest. Strictly forbidden in Leviticus chapter 18, but it had taken root in the church. A horrible thing. I mean, sexual immorality in and of itself. But he says in verse 2, 
you got this stuff going on, this sin that's been condemned, that a so-called brother was having sexual relations with his father's wife. All of that. Verse 2, and you are puffed up about it. Now, if you want to circle that phrase, it'll be very relevant to the culture we live in right now. Just that phrase, and you are puffed up. If you have room in your margin, you can circle this phrase and forever you'll be able to connect it with this movement among us or among the church at large today, among churches. You could write, this is another way of saying they were being tolerant. You hear that phrase thrown around? Tolerance, tolerance, tolerance. Well, they were being a tolerant church of sexual sin. They're prideful about it. They were puffed up about it. And you have not rather mourned that he who has done this deed might be taken away from among you. And so with all the divisions and all the contentions and with the leadership distracted, it made fertile ground for sin to prosper and flourish within the church. And those that did see it, those that did pay attention to it, instead of mourning over and being sorrowful that such an ugly thing had taken, that had happened in the church and has been gone going, they're puffed up about it. It's almost like they're saying, you know, look what we put up with. Look what we allow. Look what kind of church we are. We let this kind of stuff just happen. It's, it's not that big a deal. Instead of mourning over the the pain that it brings God when sexual sin occurs. It's a lot like the major denominations today that have abandoned the word of God. Where at one point they were standing strong for the word of God. They were the very vessels of evangelism and salvation for hundreds of years. But just as of late, major denominations are, are abandoning the word of God. And they are becoming, and you'll hear it, they'll be, they'll, they'll, they'll be puffed up about how tolerant they are. Tolerant of false doctrine. Tolerant of abandoning the word. Tolerant of, of changing the atonement and saying that, hey, the blood of Jesus, you don't need the blood of Jesus. Annie, just bring all your religions in and, and let's just try to be one big happy family. And, and even as of late, the propagation and the promotion of homosexuality to the point where major denominations are not only allowing homosexuality, but they're ordaining homosexuals and allowing them in living in sexual sin to teach the Bible. And you know, as you discuss these things in love, which it's more than, it's more than appropriate to discuss such things, what you'll hear is, you know, you're too narrow-minded. You, you're just living in a different culture. And not everybody wholesale tries to reinterpret the Bible, but many, as you call people on these types of things, whether you call leadership in churches or even friends that you know or family that's caught up in sexual sin that say they're believers. Hey, if you're an unbeliever caught up in sexual sin, you just need to repent and believe in Jesus. I mean, as an unbeliever, what do you expect? You're just going to live for the world? You're going to live in the world? That's just the way it is. Many of us were in the world. So he's not talking about, you know, I'm not a believer. I don't care. I can do whatever I want. Uh, You know, that's a different category. What he's saying is if you call yourself a believer and you say you love Jesus Christ and and you're in a church that allows rampant sexual sin just to take place, the, the appropriate response is, number one, to mourn over it. And number two, he says, the appropriate response is for that person to be taken away. 
not to be puffed up about it, not to be tolerant of it. Let me just say that as I mentioned homosexuality, I know that that just catches a lot of people's ears. And, and I just want you to know that God loves the person caught up in homosexual sin. He really does. Jesus died to forgive you and deliver you from that sin. It should make us sad. And, and even as this is going out, those of you that might even be in that category of living in unrepentant, unconfessed sin, you should be sad. Because your life is sad. You're corrupting your life. It's not good. And as a church, we should see it for what it is. We shouldn't be proud of what we tolerate. We should be proud of obeying Jesus and following in his footsteps. You know, God can deliver you. It's not a hopeless case. You're not, I know sometimes the enemy will even drive you into a corner and, and, and you'll think it's hopeless. It's not hopeless. I, I believe there are so many times in our lives where we give Satan far too much credit. And last time I read the Bible, my God is strong. He's able to deliver. He's faithful. The things that are impossible with me, you know what my Bible says? Possible with God. And so even if you're caught up and you just don't think there's a way out, God can deliver you. It's a cooperative effort, though. And you get the picture of maybe being out in a place where you need a life raft. You need a life buoy thrown to you. And God, that's what he does every time. He throws it out to you, but you got to grab it. You know, it's like you just got to grab on and go, okay, save me. Rescue me. I need it. You have to have that desire. This type of sin, whether it's sexual sin, which is the context here, or any type of unconfessed, unrepentant sin, needs to be confronted, not celebrated. And when we use the word confronted, it doesn't mean you get in their face and you scream and you pick it with a big sign. You just need to go in love and tell the brother, hey, bro, you say you're a believer and look at your life. And hold them to account. Because it's not, I'll tell you, the way that that you should be treated in a church is this. If you say you're a believer, we'll treat you like one. If you say you're an unbeliever, we'll treat you like one. We'll hold you to that account. So if if you say, hey, I believe Jesus, then you're going to be held here at Calvary to a biblical accountability. If you're a believer, this is what the Bible says. Well, you know, I don't think that's what the Bible says. And I turn the page and this is what the Bible, well, I don't know. Then you know what I'm going to ask you? Are you really saved? Oh, how can you question my salvation? Because somebody has to. Somebody has to say, hey, look at your life. Examine it. Believers don't tolerate that kind of stuff. Believers don't live in that kind of stuff. Hey, believers aren't perfect this side of heaven. Believers aren't sinless this side of heaven. But you know what? Believers, they aren't sinless, but they do sin less. There's a progression in your life. One of the things that you can really look for is just say you got a really crazy past. you got, you got some stuff that you're working through. You've got habits you're breaking. I'll tell you one evidence, one evidence that the Lord's working in your life is that you, you really feel bad when you sin. Like you actually start to feel now. You, like he said, he's given you the, the emotion of mourning. You start to mourn over your own condition. Like, wow, I shouldn't have done that. Or some simple stuff, like just, it doesn't even have to be some crazy thing. It could just be, man, I really shouldn't have said that. Where'd that come from? Well, as a believer, the Holy Spirit's bringing it to, just bringing it up. Going, yeah, you really shouldn't have said that. 
Here, why don't you go ask for forgiveness? Now, where did that come from? Like, when's the last time as an unbeliever you're like asking for forgiveness? I mean, it's like, no, man, deal with it. I don't care. <laughs> but now as a believer, wow, I really hurt somebody. I, I, I should just go make it right. And you don't want to get into the place where you're just, you're just living in sin. You don't care. I'm concerned for you. Well, you know, Ed, I'll just go to the church down the street because they don't care about sin. That's a problem. You'd have to take out like most of the Bible and to not care about sin. I mean, if we took out all the, the references of staying away from sin and holiness, you could pick up your Bible and it would just have holes in every page. You're just like, whoa, man, this is, wow, it's interesting. There's, I can just do what I want. That's not Christianity, it's paganism. And that's what's happening in the church of Corinth. And unfortunately, as the Bible speaks of the last days, that's what's happening in the church at large today. There's not a lot of talk. And then the, the pendulum you know, swings to the other. Then when sin is mentioned, there's this heavy legalistic trip when really what we just need to be doing is following after Jesus, abiding in him. I know for a fact that when I'm abiding in Jesus Christ, I'm not living in sin. I know that. I know that when I'm seeking the Lord and enjoying his presence, he's guarded and protected me from bad decisions, from dumb decisions, from, he just, you delight yourself in the Lord and he gives you the desires of your heart. He doesn't give you sinful desires, he gives you holy and pure desires. And instead of coming to this man, this church, remember Paul's writing this letter, instead of coming to this man and saying, dude, what is going on? They celebrated it, almost like, hey, look at us, look at what we put up with. Look what kind of church we are. And Paul says, no way. Turn the page just for a second, would you, to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. I know it's not always easy talking to people about this. I know it's not always easy saying, hey, as soon as you mention the word sin, you've de declared that there's an authority outside either one of us. And I know it's not easy, but it's necessary. In 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 8, Paul says, I speak not by commandment, but I'm testing the sincerity of your love by the diligence of others. For you know that the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that through his poverty you might become rich. And so he's encouraging us. He's saying, look what Jesus has done for you. Look what, how he has served you. Look how he has poured his life into you. Look what he's done for you. And you know, one of the things that Jesus isn't doing here, he's not enlisting a new ministry of, of like, now, I, you know, Ed, I'm, I'm tracking with you, I'm with you. I think I have the gift of sin sniffing. Just tell me where to go. And, and I'll find the sin for you. I know you might be able not be able to see it, but God has given me this wonderful gift to sniff out. And you, all you go around just sniffing people, man. Is there sin? Is there sin? He's not wanting us to become spiritual policemen of the church. That's not what he's creating with this. This was a known, open, like, like in the context of Calvary Aurora, most of you here would have known about this. Like it would have been through the whole church. You know, I was sharing with somebody uh, today, you know, how, you know how churches are known of bad news travels fast? And it does. Good news travels faster, but bad news travels fast. So it would be the idea of, hey, did you hear? Did you hear? And everybody knows about it. And even the leadership knows about it. Like, oh, don't worry about it. You know, that's the kind of church we are. We, that's great. 
I mean, for me, as I'm studying this, it's like totally foreign to me. It probably is to you too. I can't even conceive in my own mind what condition all of us would have to be in to tolerate that kind of sin among us. It would just, that's why people try to hide stuff. But you can't hide it. Like right now, you just know, you can't hide it. It's going to be revealed. The true you, if there's two of you, the true you is going to be revealed. It's going to be shouted from the rooftops. That which is hidden won't stay hidden. And, and even then, that's just sort of a limited viewpoint of life, right? Because whatever you're hiding from men, you know, I, I think it was Spurgeon that said, secret sin on earth is open scandal in heaven. There's really nothing hidden before the eyes of God. And the idea is Paul's not trying to enlist a spiritual policeman or some new ministry of anointed sin sniffers, but rather he's emphasizing the reality of purity in the church. We should be sensitive to sin in our own lives and when it's around us. I mean, there should be a sensitivity to sin, especially our own, that we would be quick to repent. Now, we've studied this in depth before. You can just jot it down. You can get the study on it. We looked at what church discipline is in Matthew chapter 18. There are various steps. As a matter of fact, jot it down, but also turn there so you can see what Matthew shares with us from the lips of Jesus in relation to church discipline. It's Matthew chapter 18, verses 15 through 20. And when you think of church discipline, there's a couple things to keep in mind. One is church discipline is important and necessary. And here we believe in bringing church discipline where necessary. Matthew 18. But the second thing to remember about church discipline, that it is not the responsibility, check this out, it is not the responsibility of the leadership to handle every problem in the church. I don't know if you knew that or not, but it's not the responsibility for the leadership, whether they are lay leaders or pastors or whoever they might be, it is not the leadership's responsibility to solve every single problem in the body. Most of the problems among the body are to be solved by the body. I mean, that's pretty cool that a healthy body functioning would be used by God, just like your body. When it's healthy, it purges out the poison. It brings healing to the cuts and and it starts to scab up and protect and your whole body begins to rush to help. When it's functioning properly, it brings great healing, just the same way among the believers. A healthy body brings purity in the body. Sometimes there is the need for leadership to get involved, but you'll notice in a moment that it's the last step of church discipline. It's not the first. Today on Abounding Grace, we've been in 1 Corinthians as Pastor Ed Taylor is leading us verse by verse through this epistle. If you joined us late or would just like to hear the message again, go online to calvaryco.church. Another way to take in a steady dose of God's Word is through our apps. Not only do we offer a church app, but the Grace FM Colorado app as well. Download those today for free by searching for Calvary Aurora. If you take a brief moment to write or call, that would make our day. Let us know the station you're listening to and if today's study was a blessing to your life. And we'd also love to pray for you. You can email us through the website at calvaryco.church. 
Abounding Grace is made possible through the support of our listeners. And when you give a donation of $25 or more to Abounding Grace, you're invited to request a copy of the book Holy Land Key by Ray Bentley. For quite some time, Pastor Ray Bentley has partnered with God's people in Israel and witnessed the fulfillment of prophecy firsthand. This book will introduce you to prophetic signs that God reveals in sometimes unexpected ways. Call 877-30-GRACE or visit calvaryco.church. That's 877-30-GRACE. And for those of you that are in the area or will be visiting soon, we hope you'll stop by for a worship service. Here at Calvary Church, Colorado, in Aurora, there are three services on the weekend. The first is Saturday at 6 p.m., and then there are two on Sunday mornings at 8.45 and 10.45. You can join us on Wednesday evenings at 7, too. Gather more information online at calvaryco.church. And then be sure to join Pastor Ed Taylor next time for more teaching from the book of 1 Corinthians. That's right here on Abounding Grace. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church Colorado here in Aurora.